everybody. Welcome back to the FBC Young Adults Podcast. I'm your host, John Lemons, coming at you live from First Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. It's great to be back with you. We've taken a few months of a break, but we are back and it's our full crew. We've got Tiffany Fanning, Ethan McVeigh, and Ellen Christian. We're all here. We're all ready to talk about what we read about in the Bible from this summer. But before we get there, let's talk about just summer in general, you all, because as we record this, today is September 1st, so it is it is full-on pumpkin spice season, like college football is starting in a few days. I think everybody's ready for fall. But before we get there, let's, let's hear about the highlights of your summer, and I think I know what they're going to be for each one of you. But Tiffany, we'll start with you. Where'd you go this summer? What'd you do? So this summer I went um, to New York City on the graffiti church trip, uh, the mission trip that we did, and we had a great time. We helped lead um, a kids camp, which they actually do for an entire month. Um, It's more than just like a single week, and the kids were really great, and um, we had a really good time. It was definitely different because there's not as much grass in New York City as what there is in Alabama, and when we would do outdoor play, we would like gather all the kids and do a head count and we had walked down to the public park which one of the kids who captured my heart there is like when are we gonna go to, when are we gonna go to the park and it's like not nice. park I'm like you mean park okay great so that was good that was a lot of fun that's a, that's like a Boston accent not a New York accent to say park I don't know it's what he did he also to nice. his poor little defense he had lost like half his teeth like they had all just fallen out excellent well, and you, you helped out there, but you also, I mean, you were in New York City, so you, you ate well, and you saw some shows, or a show. I saw a show. Amy McKenzie showed us up, and she went to a, bun- a bunch of shows. Yeah, um, she went back. And she, she did also go back, yeah. But Shelly and I went to see um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and it was amazing, and we cried, and we had the best time ever. Excellent. Well, that is awesome to hear. So... Great job. Great summer for you, New York City. That's awesome. Ethan, I know what you did and a big moment in your life that you celebrated. So tell us about yours, buddy. Yeah, so Caroline and I celebrated our first anniversary uh, in early August. Um, It was super exciting uh, and we uh, went to Disney World. So, I mean, what better place to celebrate? Caroline loves Disney. I grew up uh, going uh, every five years or so, I guess. She grew up going a lot, um, and so it's a place where we both have some memories, so we got to make some memories there together, um, go on Buzz Lightyear and, uh, you know, shoot at Zerg, uh, so it was really fun, um, and we just enjoyed uh, going, because it was just the two of us, you know? Normally, you go with a, a big family group, and it's like, everybody wants to ride different rides, so you end up riding everything, so it was kind of nice to have, like, a laid-back Disney trip. Um and then we stayed in Animal Kingdom Lodge, so we got to see some animals. I love animals, so it was really cool to see like giraffes like up close and uh, eating from the trees and stuff. So it was a really good trip. Uh, we enjoyed celebrating and uh, did the first anniversary big, so it was fun. Yeah, man, and the last time we went, we stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's really awesome. I really highly recommend it if you do stay on the park premises. It's, uh, it's just a whole, it's like a it doesn't feel like you're at disney it does but it doesn't because they they still are amazing in how they treat you and kind of how well trained the staff is and things like that but you're also i mean you're it is a it is a resort for 
animals as well, uh, safari style animals. And so you're like going out on your back porch to drink coffee in the morning and there's like giraffes and rhinos and stuff like it's pretty it's pretty awesome it's been a while since we've been to disney but it is a fun one for us i think we we went like three times when uh, our kids were small and i mean one of my absolute favorite places on earth is is just main street usa how could you not love walking in there and and uh, like i could i could i could literally sometimes i take pack up my computer and everything i go work at starbucks i could literally go work at main street usa and just, you know, the barbershop quartet, like coming by and stuff. It's just a, <laughs> I, I love it. I love the environment. So that's awesome. My summer, you know, if you don't know, I'm getting my doctorate and I'm doing that with a program in Portland, Oregon. And part of our program was to go this past summer to Cambridge, England. And so I got to do that and have some classes there and spend some time in Cambridge, which is really fun. I mean, the, the University of Cambridge is like 800 years old. So it was just really neat to be in a place like that. And then my family came along since I was already out there and we tacked on another week and did some time in and around London and saw Stonehenge and saw the cliffs of Dover, uh, saw Bath, England, which I think is like Jane Austen or somebody like writes about that and lived there at one point in time. I think some show, some BBC show is set there or whatever. Bath is really beautiful. It's, it's worth going back and seeing, but, uh, Man, England was England was fun. It was amazing. Um, definitely would would uh, you know? I, I feel like I crossed everything off on my list. I don't have to go back, but I would go back if I did have the opportunity. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that was thinking about a, a trip to Europe. So, man, New York, Disney, England, Ellen, how could you how could you top that? Uh, I'm not going to top it, so I'm not even going to worry <laughs> about it. Uh, let's see. We traveled. Where'd you, where was it? Did you go to uh, Destin? Uh, Mobile? No, we go to Navarre. It's a little quieter. So uh, nice. did that, went to the beach, went to Nashville. Uh, Tiffany and I camped together. That was uh, that was a big... It was an experience. Yeah, a big experience, I think. Uh, camping with friends and your husband uh, and all coming back friends and married <laughs> is even where better. did you camp well here's the the funny part we went to cathedral caverns which is only like 25 ish maybe 30 i don't even know that it's 30 minutes from our house uh as kind of uh, a trial run i didn't want to get too far out from civilization and i needed to be close enough to where kyle could get breakfast at hardy's <laughs> When we all forgot breakfast material, I was like the least prepared Enneagram one on this trip. It was just uh, nuts, um, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I mean, my kids had a ton of fun. I, the adults, I think, all had a ton of fun. Um, it was a good group that we went with. We went with the Millers too. They joined us, and so I think we all agreed we want to do it again next year. So yeah, you 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 posted some pictures from it, and it mm -hmm. did look fun. And and that's something I've wrestled with: is how could we pull off a like a young adult camping trip or whatever, it would be Tiffany's shaking her head. No. So <laughs> I don't I guess think we can. Not a good idea. I think we talked about like, how it's, could you make this bigger? And I, and it, I mean, three, it would be hard we to thought three do. was enough. It would so. be hard to do a, because you don't want to really do it in the summer. You want to do it in the fall yeah. or the spring. And the problem is with those of you who have kids, uh, spring is hard because you got baseball, soccer, or whatever else, and mm -hmm. then fall. Of course, nobody really does anything on the weekends because they all go to football games. So, 
you can't uh, can't overlap with that. But uh, maybe maybe one day, maybe one day we could do something like that. But well, great to hear about y'all summer. Great to uh, see you again and be back at doing this. Fun fact: we meant to take a month off. We ended up taking two months off because we actually tried to record this show about a month ago and had some technical difficulties when we got about 10 minutes in. We'll see if that happens again. Hopefully not. But uh, yeah, we just couldn't reschedule it. And so we were like, well, let's punt to next month and just take a a two-month break. So if you're listening along, if you've been anxiously awaiting this, if you're one of the nine, thank you for your patience. Uh, but, But we're back. So it's great to be back with you. And we are going to talk about what we read about this uh, summer uh, in our Bible reading plan. So covering this summer, we we were a lot in the prophets. We were a lot in um, some some of the, the back end of the historical books, Chronicles and Kings and things like that. So we're going to share our highlights on that insights and things like that and then things to look forward to. But before we do that, here's our question of the month that I want to bring to you guys. Since we were in the prophetic books, which get a lot into, you know, God's sort of wrath at his people. And, and you you obviously have a lot with the prophets. You have a lot of like kind of punishment being doled out. I think it's what people most associate with the Old Testament when they when they think of like God, the God of the Old Testament, quote unquote, uh, being a God of, of wrath or being a God of anger. I think they most often think of the, the prophets with that. So with that being said, um, coming out of that, Coming into the fall or late summer, which is hurricane season in the south, um, sometimes depending on on the time of year, the kind of storms that are rolling up, rolling in, it can be tornado se- season. So my question of the month that I think uh, could be relevant to those who are listening but not reading along with us is: Are things like hurricanes, tornadoes, or other natural disasters signs of God's? judgment in the same way that they were or, or, or that they're presented in the old testament so question of the month i'm gonna i'm gonna present that to you guys ellen tell us what you what you think about that oh man i didn't like my first answer i, I don't like my answer that i want to give again um i don't know this one's so tricky because uh i feel like we have the full story when you're reading through stuff in the old testament um, and so it's hard to say because we don't have the full story. And, and I've been more cautious about saying things like, oh, yeah, God thought this or did this. Or I've been a lot more cautious of that, uh, I guess, within the past like five to ten years. Um, and I, I think when we say uh, he can bring judgment, that has such a mean, negative connotation. Um, and I don't think that that's the first thing you should think of when you think of God. So, um, you know, I I have to believe that part of that is um, free will based, you know, like things happen in the atmosphere based on what we do here. Um, And then there are things that God can create in the atmosphere too. So I don't know, that's a tricky thing. However, I do think good things can come out of bad things. and so I think that's important just to kind of focus on. Um, in 2017 for Hurricane Harvey, my dad um, ended up going, moving to DC for a few months and helping out uh, with the Small Business Administration. Um, and so what he did was a huge help to people. They got money that they needed and 
uh, things like that out of what was a really, really dark time for a lot of people, and, and he was that liaison. Um, so, I mean, like, there, and, and for him, it, it, if you know anything about real estate, usually December is a pretty slow month, so it kind of worked out for him that he was able, able to provide for his family in a different way through something like that that happened, you know what I mean, just kind of like the chain of events um, out of that. It wasn't, you know sucked that that was the way it came about and you know there was a lot of people that yeah. lost stuff but i mean like there is good stuff that came out of it too i don't know that that's a tricky one that's that's a yeah. mr question i don't know well you, t- you you highlighted sort of natural consequences right to to certain things uh, so i think we have to be careful i mean sometimes there are things that are just built in so if you chain smoke you're probably going to die of lung cancer or, or get that at some point in time or have other health ailments, uh, you know? So, yeah, I mean, is that a sign? <laughs> I saw something today uh, somebody shared that was like, here are <laughs> here are the uh, effects of alcohol. Um, just even having like a drink a week, the effects that it has on your brain, on your heart, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a carcinogen and things like that. <laughs> One of the comments somebody made was, uh, newsflash living is bad for your health. So, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's a certain uh, truth to that. There's uh, what doesn't carry with it sort of natural consequences. You know, I'm a, I love red meat and I read something that I shared with the staff a few weeks ago that was like a serving of red meat, like increases your chance. I think of, I think it was like heart disease or something, um, like 22%, uh, because it affects your, gut microbes or whatever i don't know man i like hamburgers so i'm going to eat hamburgers and it's the way it is Uh, so there's natural consequences for sure tiffany tell us what you think about that are hurricanes tornadoes well like what would you say to someone who said to you like oh like there's a hurricane and it's because new orleans is such a bad city what would you say i think it's really unfair to put that out into the world like that. I really think we discussed this on the podcast previously um, because I know I had brought up New Orleans. There were people who obviously were displaced from their homes. And I think we, on the, uh, on the podcast we attempted to record, I think we talked about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was it. But like there were people who came to my middle school after Hurricane Katrina happened that were from New Orleans. And like for me to go up to them and their grief of everything they lost is like, well, New Orleans was a very sinful city. So this is what y'all got. Like, that would be terrible. And I think, kind of like Ellen, I think it could be signs, you know, of God's judgment, but God also had someone speak on his behalf to the people in the Old Testament and was very clear, like, if you don't turn away, then I'm going to do X. And there was a mouthpiece that he had appointed, you know, to tell people. So I feel like we don't have gosh, there are crazy people who think they're prophets. Um, like, oh, what was the dude in Waco, Texas? Um, David Koresh. Thank you. Like him. Like, I don't really think that he was a prophet, but he thought he was and his whole compound died. Um, so I think we have to be really careful because we don't have the same kind of, not to say that we don't have a direct relationship with God, because I definitely think that we do, but I don't think the single assigned mouthpiece that they had in the past to like Isaiah to tell you, Hey, you're going to be exiled and it's going to be awful if you don't stop. Um, so I think it's hard to just put a blanket statement and a rubber stamp on it. Like every hurricane, every tornado, every natural disaster 
you know, is from God. Because also yeah. in the Old Testament, um, I don't remember which prophet it was, you know, he stood in a cave and there was thunder and lightning and there was a fire and an earthquake. And then at the end of all these natural um, environmental things, there was the whisper of God. So, I, you know, it's complicated. Yeah, I think that was Elijah, maybe. Um, yeah. Ethan's shaking his head, so all right. Uh, well, Ethan, what what would say you? What would say you? I think good words, Tiffany. Agree. Ethan, what, what would your response be? Yeah, I mean, I think Ellen and Tiffany have pretty much covered it. Um, I think there's some things that happen in the world just because our world is broken as uh, sometimes as a direct result of our sins. So maybe... There could be a group out there that says, you know, we're causing global warming and that's the reason that all this is happening. I also think like our world is just uh, broken in general. So um, ever since the fall, things haven't worked right. Um, And there have been hurricanes and earthquakes and volcanoes ever since. Um, And it's not the way things are supposed to be. Uh, And I think we should long for a day when destruction doesn't happen. and I also agree with Tiffany. I think that um, the Old Testament, there's prophets, and they're very clear. Uh, Jeremiah says, you're supposed to stay here. Don't go back to Egypt. Um, don't run away. Like, you're not going to be destroyed um, if you stay here in Jerusalem. Uh, but then they're like, no, we're going to go to Egypt, and we're going to take you with us, actually. And then what he says comes true. Egypt is attacked um, and taken over as well, so. Uh, I think if, if God is going to send a big natural disaster or something like that, I think it's going to be clear to us so that we have that opportunity to turn back to him, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the reason that he's sending those things in the Old Testament. So it, it, I would expect it to work the same today if he's doing that. Yeah, no, exactly right. So th- that's one of the things. I mean, there's, there's a pretty clear pattern when, you, when you're seeing the prophecies and the things like that happen. Number one, the prophets, uh, they're given a word from the Lord before things happen. Um, so a lot of times you'll see after the fact some, you know, like a Pat Robertson, Pat Robertson or somebody will say, well, this happened, you know, like he, he blamed uh, the hurricane that hit Haiti on uh, their witchcraft or whatever. And then, or, or people will say stuff about new Orleans when new Orleans gets hit. If you, if you say it after the fact, it's not, it's not prophecy. Number one. And so it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't meet that same criteria that you see in the Bible. It also prophecy in the Bible carried with it a heavy penalty if you were wrong. So if you were a false prophet or someone who uh, prophesied and your prophecies did not come true, usually cost you your life. Uh, once once you were you were found out, um, so that's a big thing as well. Another huge component you guys touched on it. A huge component of prophecy in the Old Testament is the the opportunity to repent. Prophecy is not given as a kind of foretelling; it's given as a warning that hey, if you don't have if you don't do this, you're going to uh, suffer the suffer these consequences, or God's going to carry out His punishment on you. And um, but they are given the opportunity to repent. And so um, very often you'll see this pattern in the Old Testament that when God's people do repent, God's wrath will relent. Right. So and that even happens with people who aren't God's people. So you'll see that with the book of Jonah. He goes to Nineveh and Nineveh repents. Even the cows repent 
and God's God relents of his wrath against Nineveh. You see it. Um, there's a really odd. I can't remember when we read it, but there's a story, I think, in first Kings or second Kings about the man of God who um, there's a there's a wicked king and this wicked king gets leprosy because the man of God pronounces it on him. And so the wicked king says, well, what do I do? And the man of God says, repent. And so the king does and God heals him. And then the, the man of God goes off and does what God tells him not to do. And he's in the middle of, of having this feast with this false prophet, which God tell him, told him not to do. He's confronted by that and he doesn't repent of it. He just keeps feasting. And when he leaves the house, he's attacked. He's attacked by lions. So it's like a really weird story, but it's a it's a kind of clear picture of like even the worst person, if they if they repent and truly mean it, um, God will relent of his wrath. But if you don't, like his wrath, um, his wrath will come. But he he gives clear warnings that it's coming, and and so that's another part of it too. Um, I think hurricanes hitting New Orleans or you know the Caribbean islands or anything like that's that's pretty common. Like that's where that happens. You know, tornadoes happen in the Midwest and in the South. So if we start seeing like tornadoes and, and, or if we start seeing like hurricanes in Nebraska, like then we can be like, okay, something's going on here. That's another part of the pattern is like, usually it's like unusual things or things that you wouldn't have expected to happen or things that you can only attribute to, to the Lord. I think another key part of it is there's often always a remnant um, that survives, that's unexplainably survives after God's um, sort of wrath or punishment is carried out. So again, if if something like that is happening here and those aren't the traits that you see with it, which they, they haven't been with the things that we've seen in our lifetimes, then I think you just need to be very careful about saying like, you know, a hurricane or even attributing some societal tragedies like mass shootings or whatever uh, you'll hear people sometimes say well this is because we took prayer out of the schools or whatever and i mean it's just really tough saying that god's carrying out his justice on school kids because adults have made decisions in congress or whatever like it's just it, it you'd be better off not not making those kind of uh, uh assumptions or or uh, those kind of arguments uh, because they just don't fit the biblical pattern. So that's my thought on that. I'll let you guys comment on that before we move on, or we'll just move on if you have no comments. Would anybody have anything they want to add to that? Excellent. Well, then we'll move on to our next uh, next topic. So we are going to roll into talking about what we read this summer. I kind of highlighted that a little bit with First Kings uh, or Second Kings thirteen. It's one of those two, but. Uh, you know, we were in um, the prophetic books a lot, the historical books, like I said earlier. What insights did you guys have from reading those? I think even, didn't we have, I think we had Song of Solomon. That was our joke with our last one, I think, is that we hadn't read that one yet. So what would you guys like to share about what you read this summer or insights you had? We'll start with Ethan. Yeah, um, I think I was struck by a few things in particular as we read through kind of the end of some of the history and then into the prophets. And the first thing is just like this cycle of sin that Israel is just consistently in, right? Like, it seems like they're really struggling with worshiping Baal. Um, and they, 
seem to be just continuing to put up idols, uh, whether they're Asherah poles that are off, um, you know, on different hilltops, or whether it's like bringing idols into the sanctuary. Um, mm -hmm. it, and I think that just struck me that it's like, man, the Lord is sending all these prophets, right, that we keep reading, and all of them have the same message. It's like, get rid of these idols and like worship the Lord. Um, and very rarely do they do it. And I also was struck kind of by the importance of, of leadership and like good leadership. Like, who are you following? Who are you putting your hope in? Uh, who are you trusting to give you guidance on how to live your life? Uh, for Israel, I mean, they had less of an, an option in that because it was a king. It was a monarchy, not uh, a democracy or something. But I think we have leaders in our own lives. They're not kings, but... Um, we do have people that we look up to, that we allow to impact how we're living. And it's like, you know, King King Hezekiah was a great king and he made some really good reforms. And so there's hope. I mean, for the people of Israel, there was hope. It's not like they were stuck in their sin. Uh, they could have reformed and they could have repented. Uh, and there were times that they did that and they enjoyed success because of it. Um, and like flourished in their relationships with God. But there were also, like right after Hezekiah, you have Manasseh. And he's like the worst king ever. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not just setting up a few idols, but like he's following Chemosh, who's this god that uh, demands like child sacrifice. Um, and like if you read, if you go, go back and read Manasseh, like that was just a really dark chapter for me. I was like, this, this is scary that like this leader has so quickly turns the nation from like the reforms of Hezekiah and kind of the joy of the Lord that they were in into just like all these idols inside the temple of the Lord. And um, yeah, it's just really intense. Uh, and so they're stuck in this cycle of sin. And some of that is probably the leader's fault. But I think the question, kind of the application I drew was like, who are my leaders and who am I trusting um, as much as like Israel is trusting these kings. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then my final thought, I promise, is just Israel has, <laughs> Israel has like uh, selective listening, right? Like all these prophets come along and um, Jeremiah, like they're in exile and Jeremiah comes with his wooden stocks, you know, as like a, a physical example of like, hey, you, you guys are going to be in exile for this long. Um, and then this false prophet comes and like breaks the shackles off Jeremiah and breaks them in half. And it's like, no way, God would never do that. Like this exile is not even going to happen. Um, and yeah, the people just want to listen to that. And so eventually like the Lord sends word to Jeremiah and he comes back with some iron shackles or stocks and mm -hmm. and the lord's like yeah because because you're not listening to me and because you're choosing to listen to these false prophets um like you're you've made your shackles into those of iron and uh, your punishment's gonna be worse uh and i think it's not necessarily that he's like punishing them for not listening i think it's more like as a this is the consequence like you're not listening right. to jeremiah right. And so, like, I'm going to let you know that because you're listening to the false prophets and you're just seeking your own success and your own, like, ease of life, 
because that's your goal, like things are going to go worse for you. It'd really be better if you would repent and suffer a little and turn back to me. Um, but anyway, so they have a bad case of selective listening. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. And it's interesting too. You talk about that because uh, with the stocks, you really have to read through the prophets and make it. Yes, there's a lot of words and they're very wordy, but they're also very theatrical. And it's kind of um, when you when you realize the things they're doing. Like, I think it's Ezekiel we're going to get into this month that does some really crazy stuff with uh, like poop. I mean, I don't know how else to put that. So uh, it's you know it's there. I mean, they are very much about. Um, having visual displays of what it is that they're talking about. And uh, I think it's, it's good because it, for one thing, it tells us people have always been visual. People have always made connections and God has always been a God who makes visual connections for us and with us. So uh, I like that about the prophets as well. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Tiffany, uh, what about you? What insights, thoughts, things you want to share from readings this summer? So I had to swap back to audio version of readings I got behind. So I just started listening again. So my insights aren't as deep as they they previously have been because I'm not like taking notes or going back to circle around like, well, what did this maybe mean? Um, But I have just in general anxiety. I'm an anxious person. I let things uh, just like fester in my brain probably more than I would need to. If I lived um, during the Old Testament times, I'd probably be yelling at everybody and like shaking them by the shoulders, like, listen to them, listen to the prophets, because we're all about to be doomed. Like, I just think I would have no chill because I don't have chill right now. <laughs> um, but what what was nice um, going through all of this and listening to it is how much I know we know that God provides. And we all say that like, oh, God provides, he can do great things. And it's totally true. But knowing like right now, for me, if I'm hungry, I just go to Walmart or Publix or wherever or a fast food restaurant and I go get something to eat. Like it's not mm. feeding myself and my family is not a struggle. I know it's a struggle for many people. Um, I can only imagine how hard it was in a desert, you know, traveling around or even once they're established, if their crops didn't come in, like they didn't, I don't know. They just like didn't have much alternatives for food. Yeah. Um, So I'm just always impressed that like by the story of where Elijah goes and his flour that he borrows from the woman, like never runs out. Like, Hey, maybe you're about to die. You don't have enough flour for you and your son to make more than this Hmm. one loaf of bread. Why don't you make some food for me too? And then it keeps lasting. So God's provision, that's just always there and how he's just always telling everyone like, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. I think I've heard that the phrase like, do not fear, or do not be afraid is like in the Bible, 366 times. So there's one for every day in a bonus, which is great. So for someone who's anxious like me to know that we can not fear is very encouraging, but something else, um, is that he, he'll strengthen you. Now I've lost my highlights. I'm trying to go through, but, um, you don't need strengthening if God doesn't intend for you to need to be strong. Um, Mm. I think it's something that I've come to understand um, lately, especially, um, you know, you can be a couch potato if you don't need to ever do anything. Um, You don't need spiritual fortitude if you're not going to go through spiritual hardships. So 
I think that was also something for me, like we're never promised an easy life. We're just promised that God will be there and provide for us and he'll help us through our struggles. Yeah. That's a great way to put that. I've, I've actually spoken about that before too. Like he doesn't, he doesn't promise ease. He doesn't promise prosperity, but he does promise his presence. And uh, that's an excellent way of, of putting that an excellent insight to take from our readings. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you got that. And I'm glad you shared that. Uh, Ellen, what about you? So uh, the summer portion of the reading is, gosh, it's got to be the hardest stuff to get through. Um, so First uh, and Second Kings, I don't know, maybe I need to do a study on that. But it's like one of those, <laughs> both of those books are just like, I hate to say this, pulling teeth. Like, yeah, I sit there and I look for God's character. And yeah, thankfully, Tara Lee will tell you where God's character is for you. Uh, but gosh, man, it's, it's, it's hard to read. It's hard to kind of put yourself in those spots. Um, it's sometimes, uh, makes you put your, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is the part where it makes me uncomfortable, makes me put my pride in check because, oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I wouldn't turn away from God or, oh, I wouldn't. Well, you know, it just, I don't know, makes you think a little bit. Makes you realize how much you're just like them. Yeah, you do. And, uh, so maybe it is, maybe that's my, my theme for the year is to be uncomfortable in the Bible. And there, there's a pride check for me or something. I don't know. Um, so, uh, I always kind of laugh, um, when we get to the part where she is talking about the Kings having like lots of chariots, lots of horses, lots of women, and how that's like the downfall of all the Kings. You know, it's too many chariots, too many horses, too many women. And how true is that still today? I mean, I think that's kind of funny. Also, uh, see, I have to be a little light humored in this one just because the reading is so heavy. Um, I like how we go from names like Jeroboam, Jehoahaz, to Sam and Bob and Kelly and Jeff. Like, we get these really extravagant Kahoyachim or something like that where she's something I can't remember the other ones how do we get from that to Bob Sam easy names yeah um and then I'll finish up with like a um kind of serious one uh I was uh kind of burdened by the thought of unintentional sin um and where in my life have I had unintentional sin that's affected other people yeah. So that was, uh, I have had some uh, moments, um, you know, in my adult life that I've actually gone back and apologized to people for some things that I sat by and watched. Um, so I don't know, unintentional sin's been kind of something that's, I think, weighs on you while you're going through, you know, some of the prophets and uh, mm-hmm. kings and things like that. So, yeah, that's what I got. No, that's good. And your your thing on the names, uh, you you meant names now, yes. Bob yes. and Susan, yes. not names in the Bible, because they didn't quite make it there, yeah. but they do get to it. But you know, by the New Testament, you've got Luke and Mark, and Matt, Paul. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like we're going back to the complicated names I think now, we are too. like because I mean, if somebody's named John, they're over forty years old. Like, just you, like think of the Johns that you know in your life. They're all over 40 years old. There's nobody under 40 named, named John. Uh, and then the names we're getting now are like 
Jason, but spelled like J A Y Z Y N or whatever. And it's like we're getting back to these Jehoiakim. That's uh, true. You're not wrong. You're not so, wrong. So yeah, no, great, uh, great, pointless insight there on your Bible <laughs> reading this summer, Ellen. <laughs> so no, uh, so here's here's yeah, you guys are all you guys are all on on the spot, and uh, I'll just go back to kind of what I've been echoing the whole time. Just remember it as a story. Remember it as kind of showing you where the people have placed their hope and where that's fallen through. So by the time you get to the prophets, they've placed their hope kind of in the kings and in the kingdom and in and by their kingdom, not the kingdom of God, like their kingdom of Israel. Uh, they placed their hope in their in the temple. Um, and, and this is just a very elaborate picture of how it's all falling apart. So I'll, I'll come back to that in a, in a second, but just kind of remember that. Also, it's helpful to remember, I knew, one of the things that's really hard about the prophets is it's just all kind of crammed together. It's really long, as you've said. So, I mean, we've been in this all summer, and it's sometimes depressing. Um, but do remember that if you were living through this, you wouldn't have gotten all that at the same time. Um, it would have been, you know, there was some overlap with some of the prophets, but not with all of them. And sometimes, you know, from the first sort of prophetic messages to the to the last, I mean, you're spanning several hundred years there. Um, so you really, again, going back to the idea of, you know, you're being taken by the Holy Ghost uh, to, to you know, this is Christmas past or whatever, like in Christmas story. You're just kind of getting a glimpse in a, you know, in a night of kind of what, what people's lives were like over an extended period of time. So keep that in mind. Keep in mind that these were not the overwhelming messages that the people were hearing at the time. They were, as Ethan talked about, they were hearing a lot of false prophets. Um, these are preserved for us because they were the ones that ended up being true. And a lot of times that was not recognized until well after the fact. Um, although, you know, they these prophets would have had followers who would have preserved their teachings and their writings and things. And that's how we've gotten some of it. Um, but uh, for the most part, this was not kind of widely believed as it was being taught. And so um, that's kind of a, I think, a illustration for us today, because I think this is sort of the task for for me and for Ethan as teachers, and then Tiffany and Ellen for you all as um, as congregants, you know. And when I say you guys are both teachers, but when I say like professional, you know, the, our job is to be ministers. Your job is not that. You're lay people who are you're still trying to kind of usher people into further along in their faith, but you, you've heard the term, the canon of scripture before, and I, I've tried to use this illustration. Canon is just a, it's a Latin word that means measuring rod or measuring stick. And so we have the scriptures, and when we say we have a canon, what we're saying is this is sort of the, the measuring stick or the frame by which we interpret um, how we're going to understand what God's doing and what God's about. So Part of my job and Ethan's job in that is to be faithful to what's been revealed and passed down about God um, and about the way God acts, about God's shots, about God's character, things like that. Um, part of your job as listeners, Tiffany and Ellen, is to determine and decipher and discern if we are doing that well. Right. And so I think that's part of the problem we have with the prophets, with the people not understanding or not following them, is they're not doing that well. And you have you see this today. You see pastors who 
you know, get a big following, get a lot of, you know, people listening to them. Sometimes they, you know, the things that they say make my skin crawl. It wouldn't be things that I would, I would interpret from the Bible. Um, but a lot of people follow them because a lot of people don't discern like, Hey, does this fit the framework or does this fit the measuring rod of what we have revealed about God in scripture? So I think that if you want to look for one takeaway to take away from the prophets today, it would be sort of that as a warning that if you're going to be a professional teacher like me and Ethan, you need to make sure that you are fully understanding kind of what's been revealed about God, that you're fully presenting that. And then for lay people, you need to make sure you're discerning that well and and judging your teachers based on how well they are um, giving you a full picture of who God is as God has revealed himself in the okay, canon. Wait, wait. Of, of I need scripture. some action items on that. Like I need to, I need a, something tangible. I need you to tell me here's how you can. Well, do you're that. doing it. I think by reading the Bible and understanding oh. the Bible on your own, I think you're doing that. So the more that, because what, this is your third time through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're listening to, you know, Tara Lee, I think. So you have to compare like what I say and what Tara Lee says and, your own experience of that and and through that you're you you kind of filter it down into like is this what i'm seeing as it's revealed in scripture right does that make sense so i think it's i think it makes it easy to spot when you when you spend time reading through the scriptures i think it makes it easy to spot where like prosperity teaching doesn't honor the full breadth of what scripture is telling us about god and about us right or uh, yes and i do think there are some Things like uh, when people will throw certain verses out, you know, you've done the the out of context mm-hmm. uh, lessons that I think are good. Um, but sometimes I don't know. I'm like, oh, well, I don't have the Bible knowledge that he does. So maybe I'm reading it out. Do you see where sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, OK. But so now on my third time through, there's been more stuff that I've picked up. Um, yeah. like on the, uh, what is, if you're, uh, people will turn away. It's the one that everybody always says at 4th of July. Oh, oh, oh um, you know, like that Second example. Chronicles. Yeah. Second yeah. Chronicles 714. Yeah. Yeah. When now, if my people are called by my name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that the first or second, or maybe now just the third time I'm starting to put those pieces together of saying, wait a second, something about that's not right. Yeah, no, and that's okay. So it's a process because I've, I mean, if you could, if you were to pull some of the stuff that I taught when I was twenty three, like I'd probably be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I taught people that, right? So, uh, but the, but a part of it is, are you continuing the process? Are you continuing to learn? Are you continuing to experience God as he as he has revealed himself? Are you continuing to try to engage with ideas and and teachings that? honor that and are you continuing to filter filter it through like what you're understanding and what kind of fits in with what has been i mean we can say it's easy to it, it, and it's popular nowadays to kind of toss out like tradition and and um you know institutionalism or whatever but there are good things that have come from tradition like there is a lot of weight that should be placed on the fact that hey people have understood certain things certain ways for thousands of years so you shouldn't necessarily just toss stuff out right on a whim like give some weight and some some credence to you know what has been 
regarded as orthodox Christianity in the past. Um, so I think that's a part of it too. But I think just realizing it's a process, realizing there's things you're teaching wrong now that if you continue in the process, you'll you'll understand that and you can correct yourself later. I think, um, you know, we, when we did the series on heresy a few years ago, Sam and I, or I guess it was last year, um, one of the things we talked about is it's common for people, especially if you spend any time on, on Twitter, people will say, well, so-and-so is a heretic because he taught this or that. Heresy technically is when you've been confronted with false teaching and you continue teaching it. So if you teach something false, Ellen, and I come to you and I say, hey, that's actually a heresy, here's why, and then you continue teaching it, then you're a heretic, and then I'm allowed to burn you at the stake. Um, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not allowed to do that, but that's what people did. But at that point is where it enters in. So so you, you're going to teach things wrong. I think the point is realizing that and carry a bit of humility with that and and, and understanding like, hey, like this is how I best understand this now. I could be wrong. I could grow. I could change. I could understand this better later on. Um, but just kind of carry a dose of humility that you might be wrong with that and continue in the process and continue growing. And I think you'll, um, I don't know if I'd, I, I think you'll be honoring sort of what uh, what the scripture present and, and, and honoring those who have come before you um, by honoring that process, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, I think, too, the other thing I would say and I'll just try to summarize this real quick. Um, Isaiah kind of touches on this is what I was going to come back to. Um, there's a there's a verse hidden in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 18, that kind of um, summarizes the point that we've reached in our Bible reading. He says in the NIV, um, it's sort of him lamenting. And he says, we have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to the people of the world. So it's his recognition by Isaiah that like, hey, we've been given a mission. And we've failed it. Like we were supposed to bring salvation to the people of the world. And we have not done that. We were supposed to bring them life. And we have not done that. And so there's a real despair in Isaiah's writings that um, like, man, like what do we do now? And I think you have to see that to fully understand kind of where we are. I think, you know, we've talked before about kind of living and experiencing what it is that the people experienced. And I think this is the invitation to do that. Um, Isaiah gets into, I think, Isaiah 53, where he gets into the suffering servant. And he begins, um, so there's kind of a, a, a several chapters there that talk about this this coming one, which is the invitation to um, to place your hope in, in, in the only thing that's left, really, and it's interesting because a lot of Bibles and a lot of commentaries will talk about Isaiah 53 and they'll, they'll label it as the new revelation of Yahweh's arm, right? And so whenever you hear like so-and-so's arm, it's a nod to the expectation that salvation is going to come through strength and through might and through, you know, maybe maybe the way we've seen it in the Old Testament, like military battles and things like that but uh i wrote about this a little bit this summer in one of my papers i said to the people's astonishment however the arm of the lord looks nothing like our stereotypical hero and um as isaiah describes it he says defying all expectations it is through the self-sacrifice of the suffering servant for the good of others 
that the task is accomplished. So that's kind of the picture that's being painted for us and the prophets here is that they get to this point where they realize like we we've missed it. Like we're supposed to bring salvation to people. We haven't done it. We haven't done it through our uh, exodus. We haven't done it through, you know, establishing the land. We haven't done it through establishing a kingdom. We haven't done it through building the temple. What's next? What do we do now? Because nothing has worked. And it's sort of laying the groundwork now for you to expect this suffering servant to come along and be the one that does it. And so that's kind of what the prophets kind of lay at your feet. And they don't live to see that being accomplished. Um, But that's what we're invited to see and to live through with them now. So any thoughts on that before we move on to the next uh, next section? Everybody says no. All right, so let's move on. We're gonna we're gonna close this out and move into um, looking ahead. What's what's coming up and listener Q and A and things like that. So uh, we did have some questions this month. Ellen, did you have those? You're, I didn't talk to you about this beforehand, but you're kind of our go to person for like listener Q and A. So what do you got? Um, so Jackie asked about God's provision when so many, how to trust God's provision when so many aren't provided for. She asked that we speak to that a little bit, which is a real. Yeah. So what do you think? Hard one. Uh, that requires a, a seminary degree, I believe. So I will punt that one off. That's a process, Ellen. What's your, where are you in that process? I don't know. That one's uh, tricky. It's hard. Uh, I think it's hard for me um, because I um, am extremely blessed. I have a house. I have cars. I have food on my table. I'm not, um, knock on wood, uh, you know, my husband and I have good jobs and we're not, um, yes, gas prices hurt and, um, rising food costs hurts us right now but it's not um sounds so terrible um like the the pinch it it like got rid of some of our fun money i don't know that's hard Mm -hmm. but then at the same time like sometimes i have to take a step back and say well we've been good stewards of our money but then that makes people who may not be in this position i don't want them to think that they were bad stewards of their money this is the just see seminary degree because i can't i don't know it's or do those people that we see that may not be provided for they live at a a different level or degree than what i live do they care is that are they miss do they know that they're missing something do they know that they're missing a house i don't know are they missing something yeah that's a good question yeah so i mean sometimes when you think when people aren't provided for do you think of like people that are living in huts with you know, coconut shells for cups. I don't know. Like, so that's a tricky one. Jackie, good question. (laughs) Tiffany, Ethan, you guys have thoughts? I mean, I do sort of. So I think it's complicated. And I think a lot of the easy answer, I think, is we live in a fallen society. So not everyone is going to have every need met just because that's the nature of the world. There are going to be people who want to help. There are people who aren't going to want to take help, and there are people who are going to try to set those who are less fortunate than them further behind so they can get further ahead. I think that's just the nature of the world. Um, So it is hard and complicated, but I have a friend who went through a domestic violence situation, and she kept passing on friends who were trying to, like, help her pay her bills after her husband was, like, moving out. And um, one of her friends reminded her of a story, like, 
of, you know, it's like a parable, I guess, of a guy sitting on the roof of his house during a flood and a friend comes by in a rowboat and he's like, no thanks, uh, God's got my back, God's gonna save me. And so the rowboat goes away. And then someone else um, has like Titanic, like a door, like, hey, come get on this door, we'll float away, we'll go somewhere else. No, no thanks, God's gonna save me, he's gonna bail me out, it'll be fine. And then a helicopter comes down with like a ladder and he's like, climb up, dude, we're gonna take you out of here. He's like, no man, uh, water's up to my eyeballs, but I'm fine, like God's gonna save me. And then he drowns and he gets to heaven and he's like, I got a bone to pick. Like, why did you not save me, God? And he's like, look at all the things. Look at all the people I sent to help you. So um, I think when people say that there's not provision, I do wonder if some people are passing on the opportunities to be provided for, maybe out of pride or out of not knowing what opportunities arise um, or available. Like us going to graffiti, I thought we were going to go so support the kids. Um, we really went to go support graffiti church. They're the ones who needed our, you know, assistance. Their congregation has changed since COVID happened. They're having mm -hmm. um, less congregants come and less people tithing, which I'm sure it was felt all across the nation. So like providing for other people doesn't necessarily look the same for everyone, I don't think. And you know, like my mom is going through cancer treatment right now. It's, it would be very easy for me to be like, well, I'm mad at God because he hasn't just healed her cancer just because he can. I mean, right. he can make manna fall for everybody who didn't have a, a meal today. But that's just not currently the way it works because God could also just scoop out my mom's cancer and her not have to lose her hair to chemo and be in pain from all the radiation. So I just, you know, it's. We live in a crappy world now, thanks to our own bad behavior. Yeah, that's well said. Ethan, you have anything you want to say to answer this question? I think uh, they've pretty much covered it. I would also add, um, you know, I think part of the way that God wants to provide for the needs of the world is through his people. He's invited us into that mission and... Uh, so if we're going to point a finger at God, we're also pointing a finger at ourselves. Um, yep. And um, I'm not saying any one person is going to provide for the needs of everybody. Um, but I think when we talk about the problem of evil, we're talking about there not being needs or, or there not being provision enough for everybody. Um, we have to also consider that like, God has invited us as Christians and believers uh, into his mission, and he wants us to be just as active as he is in providing for all those things. So we should be, uh, like Acts 2 describes, um, sacrificially giving um, and providing for other people. Um, and like I said, I don't want to like put blame on uh, any one person, but I think we as a whole uh world hopefully should be doing that yeah and, and that's kind of where i was going to go with this i think for one thing this is where i place my hope in the um the coming day of the lord where you know it, I, I this is where i think believing not just in heaven but in a new heavens and a new earth is so vital because i believe that there is going to be a day where god will restore all things and um, we will have a new earth to live on, new bodies. Uh, we will have new 
or renewed opportunities to live as we as we understand living but it'll be like next level you know and um i this is where i'm kind of i just kind of trust god to um to to be an uh arbiter of of justice in that sense and when i say justice yes he's going to pay evil for evil but I think he's also going to be a God who is gracious and merciful to those who in this life have not had much, uh, particularly if they're followers, if they're his people. And I think from reading the Bible, we have seen that um, God's going to do what God's going to do. Um, so we certainly have um, sort of our marching orders. Um, we're kind of like an army that doesn't know what the generals are cooking up in other parts of the battle or, or of the war, um, but we know what we're supposed to do. And Ethan touched on it, like we're supposed to share the gospel, we're supposed to help people as we meet them. Um, but I think too, like it's clear, you know, we, we, we've we read in Joshua and uh, in Abraham's encounter with Melchizedek and um, other passages where like there's these people that, that know of the Lord and they know what the Lord's doing, but we don't know how they know because everybody that we know that knows the Lord is all together like in the wilderness or whatever, right? So, I I suspect that uh, we'll get when when it's all said and done, we'll get to heaven or we'll get before God's throne, and there will be people there that were like, "Ooh, I, how did they get here?" And it's because God's gonna do what God's gonna do. Uh, I think He's gonna save people through the work of Jesus, um, but I think He's going to be. Um, I think it's just going to be surprising to us, and there's going to be a lot of things that we don't know. I say all that to say, like, you know, um, there's some times in Scripture where Jesus says things like, um, you know, hey, uh, don't, um, you know, if you when you pray, don't uh, pray on the street corners. Uh, if you do, that'll be your reward, right? Basically, like, if you seek your reward before men, you'll get your reward among men, um, but you know, seek after the, the heavenly reward is, is the is the essence of kind of what he's saying. And not to say that like, hey, like we're going to do, you know, we're going to suffer on earth so we get our mansion in heaven. I don't think he's teaching that, but I think he is saying like um, there is a sense in which uh, the people that that do not have much are, are, are going to be taken care of and the um, are going to be provided for in the, in the coming kingdom. And so that's kind of where I place my hope. And that is that just that justice will come. I think in what we see happening on earth where there's injustice or where there's poverty or whatever, I think is a and it's easy for me to say as a person who's relatively wealthy when you consider the rest of the world and the rest of world history. Um, but I do think there's a sense in which seeing that is sort of a reminder to us not to put trust into earthly systems because we've had how long to figure out this problem and we don't do it. And we continue to think of ourselves and think of how we can enrich ourselves and make our lives better. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's a warning not to uh, place faith and in, faith into those earthly systems as well. And I think as an individual, you can't save everybody. You can't help everybody, but you can help somebody. And so I think if you can institute some things in your life where, you know, you're given to compassion international regularly, you're giving to, you know, uh, world vision or uh, you're you're doing something where there's some um, systemic involvement or systemic changes that are helping to make people's lives better. We are progressing as a world at 
um, making things like world hunger and world poverty less rampant than it has been in history. Is it still bad now? Yes, but it's better than it was 70 years ago, a lifetime ago. Um, so we're getting there. Um, so I think we can place our hope in, in, in that sort of thing too. That, and I think that's because of charities and I think that's because of people of faith wanting to invest in people's lives and making systemic change happen. But it's not an easy answer. It's a good question. Um, if we believe God's good, I mean, I should just said this. If we believe God's good, I, I think uh, he'll, he'll work it out. Um, and, I, and I trust in his faithfulness to do so and his justice for people who, who don't have much. So was there another question? Yeah. Uh, the angel of the Lord versus an angel of the Lord. Mm. Um, I don't know what the, I, don't, I think she didn't have like a direct question. It was, it was Elaine. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how the angel of the Lord is Ellen's seen as Jesus. Ellen's naming names, by the way. Oh, well, I'm not supposed well, to. No, it's all good. They're good um, questions, so they can Yeah, so who's the question. angel of the Lord? When yeah. Because I think she she mentioned the fact that, that Tara Lee uh, basically says, you know, it's a um, manifestation of, of Jesus, a pre-incarnate mm -hmm. Jesus. Um, she uses angel. Or, and where uh, does that come from? Yeah. Uh, Ethan. What do you think, bud? Yeah. Um, so the Hebrew word is uh, melech, and um, it's most literally translated messenger. Um, we mm -hmm. translate it angel in our English translations because an angel is a, a messenger from God. And so it's a good angel is still a good, it's a great English translation. Um and so you don't have to, you know, freak out about your translations. But um, messenger being a more direct translation, I think, helps us when answering this question. And so what I mean is, like, really, if you read the passages uh, that were, we mentioned um, and you talked about a messenger came from God, and then shortly after this messenger comes, then, like, Moses is talking to the messenger as if, the messenger is God. Um, and so it starts to cause, I think, intentional confusion. It's like, is this a messenger from God? Is this God? Um, and I think that happens a few times throughout the Old Testament where there's this intentional ambiguousness about this messenger from God. Is he, is he God? Is he just only a messenger and nothing more? Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it never says uh, Jesus. It never, uh, it, you know, is specific enough for us to know. Um, but I think that ambiguity is intentional so that we're beginning to wonder, like, how is God going to come and address us personally? Um, will he come like this messenger one day? Uh, could this messenger stay longer? Um, and... So I think it leads us to kind of expect the messenger, the messenger Jesus, um, God incarnate. Um, and yeah, but I mean, I don't think that's the only answer. Uh, there's different ways to interpret it and scholars um, disagree a little bit on whether they think it's an angel, a pre-incarnate Jesus or some other manifestation of God. Uh, so I think there's several faithful ways to interpret it and read it, but that's my thoughts. Yeah, I think um, in, in 
I think the question in particular was a, is, was about where does Tara Lee get the idea, and it's not just her. There, I mean, there is there's a lot of scholarly debate over whether this is a pre-incarnate Jesus. Pre-incarnate just means like the incarnation is when Jesus became flesh and was born as a baby. So pre-incarnate just means before he was born as a baby. Um, yeah, on the heels of what you said, there's a lot of there's a clear distinction between the angel of the Lord and a regular angel. And that's made, and I think that's identified in the Old Testament and even by the people of the Old Testament. Now, would they have looked at it before the incarnate Jesus and been like, oh, this is the this is the coming Savior? Uh, probably not. Um, but I think it's okay to look back on that in hindsight through the lens of the cross and see Jesus there. And, and, and that's how scholars arrive there is to it's really just kind of like working a puzzle and, and seeing like, hey, these pieces kind of fit together. Um, I think that's okay to do, but it's not what probably the original readers would have done. Uh, but definitely they would have seen a clear distinction. And I think that's, um, if nothing else, you, you, you can take that away from the appearances of the angel of the Lord. And very much, yeah, what Ethan said, um, there's intentionality in, in the, the way uh, it's described uh, in the Hebrew, Melech, Yahweh. Um, so, uh, yeah, I couldn't really add much to what you said. I'll post a link in the show notes to the Bible Project video that Holly posted, since we're calling out names here. Holly shared that in our in our group me, and so we'll post a link to that as well. They do a good job really kind of distinguishing that as well. But... Um, yeah, I think I think I'm I'm comfortable saying that. Like we can land where the, it's it's a clear distinction if you want to interpret it in hindsight through the lens of the cross. Um, it's not a bad idea. Like there's a lot of scholars that do that, but you don't have to necessarily do that. But I do think you have to see it as definitely a different level than you know just a regular angel. If there is such a thing as a just a regular regular angel, so. Anyway, that being said, I think it's uh, about time for us to wrap up our program, our show today. I want to thank you guys for being here. I want to thank everybody for listening along and for joining us again um, after a uh, after a long break this summer. I hope you all had uh, you all at home had as eventful summers as the the three of us did. Uh, and three of us being me and Ethan and Tiffany. Sorry, Ellen, yours was not very eventful. I just kid. Um, hey, give us a like, give us a share, leave a comment for us, uh, share it with somebody. Um, leave us a question. If you have a question about, um, the end of the old Testament, we are finishing up the old Testament this month, the month of September, our new Testament plan starts October 1st. So if you have bailed out and you want to jump back in, uh, October 1st would be a good time to do that. Or, or before that, even if you just want to kind of get a summary of, of kind of uh, you know where we are uh, finish up with us in the prophets and um, feel kind of the hopelessness they feel as they uh, as they go into you know waiting for the hope and the expectation of the New Testament so plan on doing that with us this uh, September we hope you join us uh, in October 1st if you bailed out for the New Testament we'll be back and we'll talk about wrapping up the New Testament and looking forward or wrapping up the Old Testament look forward to the New Testament in our October podcast so Again, thank you for listening. Give us a like, give us a share, give us a comment. For Tiffany, for Ellen, for Ethan, I'm John Lemons. It's good to be back with you guys. We'll see you again next month.
Y'all take care.